You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I want to draw your attention to Acts 1. We've taken a few weeks so far to talk about the church. That's our, our theme for the year is about the church. I'm so burdened for God's people because, again, I feel like we have, we've come through uh, COVID and we've come through a lot of just very unusual times. And I think if we're not careful, we can kind of get off track a little bit. And maybe that doesn't happen to you, but I think for me, I noticed that there are some things that if I'm not careful, if I don't push the reset button, uh, I, I, start to, I start to not have the same focus or the same mindset that I maybe used to have or that I once had. Uh, I want to stay focused on what God wants for me. I don't want to lose sight of, of what I need to be as a husband. And uh, for you men in here, you husbands, don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of what God wants you to be as a father or a grandfather or a Sunday school teacher or bus worker or, or choir member or, or, or soul winner or prayer warrior or just as a Christian. Don't lose sight of what God wants for your life. And I certainly want to work to keep my focus right uh, on the things of God. We're looking at tonight, I want to look at the subject of the church's power. I'm not talking about uh, dominion. I'm not talking about the electricity. I'm not talking about the power box and the power lines and all of that. But I want to talk about the power of the church. Can I tell you, as a church, we need power. We need power more than we've ever needed power. You see, the power of the church is not in the people. The power of the church is not in the pastor. But the power of the church is in the Lord. And we need the power of the Lord. Notice with me Acts chapter 1. And this is, of course, the acts or the actions of the apostles. This is what the, the early church did. The disciples, after they, uh, they saw Jesus crucified, they saw him uh, rise again. And then in Acts 1, they saw him ascend back up into heaven. And here's what Jesus said as he ascended up. He said in verse 8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus promised, he said, you will receive power, but he said that power was going to come from the Holy Ghost. Now notice Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14. The Bible tells us that these uh, disciples, verse 14, they all continued. That word continued means that they just kept on going. They didn't quit. They didn't, they didn't stop. They didn't get discouraged. They didn't throw in the towel. They continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. <laughs> I love this. With the women... Aren't you glad that uh, a church does not go just by the men praying? The church goes by the ladies praying too. And they had those disciples, but they had the women that were praying. It says, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren, Jesus's brothers, we know for sure. We, I shouldn't say we know for sure. We feel confident that James and Jude, they were there at that prayer meeting. Mary was there at that prayer meeting and they continued in prayer. 
Notice verse number 24, and they prayed. Here they were looking for a replacement for Judas who had betrayed the Lord. But then we see in Acts 2, verse number 1, 10 days later, the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. You know what they were doing? They were continuing in prayer and supplication and they were waiting for God to answer and God to fulfill his promise that the Holy Spirit was going to come because that's where the power was coming from. I think it's interesting that they did not in those 10 days, they didn't go out and try to start a program. They did not in those 10 days go out and try to convince a lot of people because of all of their intellect and all of their experience. They didn't do that. You know what they did for 10 days? They just waited on God. They just obeyed and they said, hey, God told us to wait. Jesus said that we're going to have power when the Holy Ghost comes. We're just going to keep on praying. We're going to keep on waiting until we have the power. Can I tell you when God shows up and God's power falls, let me tell you, there's no question about it. They weren't wondering if they had the power of God. They knew it because the Bible says in Acts 2 and verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire and it sat upon each of them. Verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice verse six. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. You know what God was doing? God was giving those disciples, he was giving them the ability to speak in a language that they did not know but in a language that someone else knew, and God was giving them the ability to share all that God had done without the use or without the need of an interpreter. Verse number eight, they said, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Verse 11, the Bible says, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. We see that the gospel was preached because the power of God fell. I want to remind us tonight that our power is not in ourselves. They have, and I've, uh, in case you're wondering, I've not been a part of this. Matter of fact, I had to look it up to find out what they do to, to determine it. But they have what's called a world's strongest man competition. I know you're surprised that I had to look it up uh, to find out what all they do. But I was amazed to see that the world's strongest man competitions I was amazed to see how much weight these guys can lift. Did you know that the, the world record without any equipment is about 700, a little bit more than 700 pounds bench press with equipment? The record is somewhere around 1,300 pounds that a, a human being can bench press. That's a lot of weight. And they have these competitions and these people, they compete and they get awards and they get recognized and they get their picture in the paper and they get a trophy and a certificate. And can I tell you, as Christians, we're not trying to get power so that we can show off 
We're not trying to get power so that we can brag about it. We're not trying to get the power of God so we can, you know, tell somebody, you know, hey, give me a pat on the back. We're seeking the power of God because we are in a battle. Ephesians 6 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, we're in a battle for souls. I believe we need the power of God to win souls because Satan is also after souls. Satan wants to send souls to hell. Satan wants to blind people so that they do not receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as Christians, it's our job to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be an effective and a powerful witness for Christ. We're in a battle for souls. We're in a battle for our nation. We're in a battle for our children. Can I tell you, we are in a battle to guard our spirit. I think sometimes we think, well, the only spiritual battle is what takes place when somebody preaches or when somebody uh, runs a bus route or somebody uh, shares the gospel and that's the only spiritual battle. Oh, no. Did you know you're in a spiritual battle every day to keep from having a rotten attitude? Can I tell you, that takes the power of God because people will drive you nuts. How many of you think that sometimes you've got some coworkers and they're re the, all they do at work is try to make your life miserable? Or maybe you've got a neighbor like that. Or maybe you've got a, a friend like that. And you think, good night. Well, I got news for you. You're not going to keep a good spirit in your own power. Because you know what the flesh wants to do? Revenge. The flesh wants to get even. The flesh wants to get ahead. And you're going to need the power of God to maintain joy in a world that is depressed. You're going to need the power of God to, uh, to, to, to look for the positive and look for the good and look for the blessings. You're going to need the power of God to put a smile on your face this week. You say, well, I don't feel like smiling. I didn't say you did. I didn't say I do. But I believe that the joy of the Lord ought to be the goal of every Christian. I believe the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Can I tell you, you're going to have to have the power of God this week to overcome bitterness. You know what Satan loves to do? He lo loves to bring up all the things in your past that people have done to you. He loves to bring up all the things in your past that people have said to you. And he loves to try to push those buttons of bitterness and to cause you to relive it in your heart and in your mind. And he wants to destroy you. And I want to tell you, every time, your bitterness is not going to destroy the person you're bitter against. Your bitterness is going to destroy you. And you're going to have to have the power of God. I'm going to have to have the power of God in order to overcome the bitterness and to have the joy of the Lord and to have the peace of God and to have the victory in the Christian life. We don't need the power of God to win a contest. We need the power of God to win some battles against a very powerful enemy. Notice with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice Acts 4 and verse number 31. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You can look all through the book of Acts and you can see throughout the entire book 
God's people prayed. I want to remind the Victory Baptist Church in April of 2022 that we're not going to see God do great and mighty things apart from prayer. We're not going to see this church grow. We're not going to see souls reached. We're not going to see missionaries continue to be sent. We're not going to see buses continue to run. We're not going to see children growing up to love and serve God. We're not going to see baptisms. We're not going to see victories apart from the power of prayer. And sometimes I think if we're not careful, we treat prayer like we treat exercise programs. On again, off again. Oh, I really need to do it. I really need to do it. And we talk about it, but we don't do it. And I tell you, that, 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 that cannot happen when it comes to prayer because there is a, a heaven and hell that is at stake. There are lives at stake. There are souls in the balances. I think about, and I love on Wednesday nights, I have the opportunity to say some things I maybe wouldn't say uh, when the children are in here, but our teens, they're out. Well, can I tell you, our teens need our prayers. Our teens have got to have some parents and some adults and some, some senior citizens. Our teens have got to have some people that are praying for them. Our children that are in the master clubs and our children that are in the nurseries. Somebody's got to pray for those children. I don't believe those children are going to make it if they don't have some of God's people that will bring their names before the throne of God and pray and seek God on their behalf. We must have the power that comes from prayer. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, this is the Old Testament, but verse number 6, the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Sometimes we rely on our own power. We rely on our own experiences. I think sometimes the longer we've been saved, the more we think we know the answers and we've got it all figured out. But friend, I want to remind you, without God and without the power of prayer, we're nothing. We can't do anything without the power and the Spirit of God. Jeremiah 33.3, the Bible says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians 3.20, I love to quote this verse. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now think about this. Did you know that God is able to do more than you ask him to do? And the Bible tells us in the book of James that in many cases we have not because we ask not. I tell you, God wants us to pray. I was reading this week about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was the, the man who uh, pastored in Chicago for many, many years, the, the Moody Church and the Moody Bible Institute. I've been there. It's an amazing place, and uh, it's not now what it used to be, but D.L. Moody began to, to travel and to preach evangelistic meetings. And uh, he would preach, and Ira Sankey would lead the singing, and they traveled the East Coast, they traveled the Midwest, they traveled to Europe and did evangelistic crusades. I read one, one place that said a hundred million people heard the gospel because of the preaching of D.L. Moody. That was before the internet. That was before the television. That was much of that. I think, uh, he, I guess he passed away in 1890. That was before the radio. But a hundred million people heard the gospel because of his preaching. 
I was reading a book this past week about that R.A. Torrey had written. R.A. Torrey was the right-hand man to D.L. Moody. R.A. Torrey uh, eventually went to Los Angeles and, 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 and founded the uh, Biola, Bible Institute of Los Angeles. And R.A. Torrey was talking about uh, some times that he had spent with D.L. Moody. And he said, I'll tell you, he said, D.L. Moody was an amazing preacher and people would come from, 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 from hundreds of miles to hear him preach. He said, but the thing that impressed people was not his sermons. The thing that impressed people was to hear him pray. R.A. Torrey told about a time that they were dealing with some things. They had a ministry in Massachusetts. They had a ministry in Illinois. And uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, different uh, uh, things that they were dealing with. And D.L. Moody came and he picked him up in his carriage. And they rode that carriage down the road. And a storm came through. And D.L. Moody pulled off to the side. And he said, now, uh, 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 R.A. Torrey said, I, I need you to pray for these things. And R.A. Torrey prayed. He said, after he got done praying, he said, I wish you could have heard D.L. Moody pray. So he prayed with such power. He prayed with such confidence. He prayed with such faith. He prayed with such certainty. He said, that storm passed, he said, and we pulled out and we went back to where we were going. He said, and within a matter of days, he said, every one of those situations that D.L. Moody prayed for, every one of those situations was answered. He talked about a time that D.L. Moody came in and told R.A. Torrey, he said, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. But our ministry right now, we need $20,000. That's the late 1800s. I think $20,000 is still a lot of money. But you imagine the late 1800s, he said, we need $20,000. He said, I'm not going to tell a soul. He said, I've told you, and I'm going to tell the Lord. And R.A. Torrey said, in just a short time, he said, that money came in exactly like D.L. Moody had prayed. And you know, sometimes we, we read stories or we hear accounts like that, and sometimes, I think if we're honest, we act surprised. Wow, I can't believe it. Can I tell you, God can do anything. And D.L. Moody just believed that God could do anything, and he believed that prayer is what moved the hand of God. And can I tell you, we need some people that will pray like D.L. Moody. We need some people that will pray like Jesus commanded us that men ought always to pray and not to faint. May we be a church that would be on our knees praying for God to do the miraculous. Charles Spurgeon was the prince of preachers. Over 63 volumes have been published of his sermons, not even his lectures and not even his, his writings, but just his sermons. When people would come to visit the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, uh, he would often, he would take them, and I told you about this uh, a week or two ago, but he would take them underneath the platform and show them a room. And in that room, every service, there were people that were praying while he was preaching. And he said, this is the power room. But Spurgeon went on to say this. He said, I always give all the glory to God, but I do not forget that he gave me the privilege of ministering from the first to a praying people. We had prayer meetings that moved our very souls. Each one appeared determined to storm the celestial city by the might of intercession. I'll say this, God has given me, as the pastor of Victory Baptist Church, God has given me the privilege to pastor a praying people. I cannot tell you how many times people will send me a message or, or call me or mention it on the way out or mention it on the way in or mention it past and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. And can I tell you, we need God's people to pray. I need you to pray for me. 
You need me to pray for you. Uh, we need each other to pray for one another. We need to be a church that knows how to pray. Would you turn with me to Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 40 in the Old Testament. You say, Pastor, you're talking about the power of prayer and you're talking about the, the might that comes from prayer, but Pastor, I'll be honest with you, I, I feel like I'm pretty much tapped out. I feel like I've got nothing left in the tank. I feel like I don't have the power. I feel like I don't have the strength to go on. I want to remind you what it says in Isaiah 40. And in verse number 28, the Bible says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. You see, you may be tired, but God's not tired. You may be weak, but God's not weak. You may be worn out, but God is not weary. Verse 29, he giveth power to the faint and to them that have a little might. Is that what it says? To them that have just a tiny bit of might. No, this says that to them that have no, that's zero. They've got nothing. God gives to those people that have no might, God increases their strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Can I tell you that idea of waiting, and we've talked about it before, that idea of waiting is not talking about sitting in a chair in the waiting room, doing nothing or flipping through a magazine, or scrolling through your phone, or, you know, you know, whistling, or counting the lights. That's not what that waiting means. That waiting is talking about when we pray, and we wait, and we trust, and we believe, and we know that we can't do it, but we know that God can. That's what it means to wait on God. We're not talking about being lazy. We're not talking about doing nothing. We're talking about we do all we can. We pray. And we trust and we believe and then we say, Lord, I've done all I can do. I can't do any more. It's up to you. Can I tell you, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know what encourages you like nothing else? When you pray for something and you pray for something and you pray for something, and God answers. You know what that does? It makes you want to keep on praying. You know what that does? It reminds you that God is able. It reminds you that God does keep his promises. It reminds you that God is able to answer the prayers of his people. Would you turn with me to Romans 15, the New Testament? Romans 15, we see that our God is a God of hope. Romans chapter 15, verse number 13 get there I want to read this verse for you it says now the God of hope aren't you glad that our God is a God of hope hallelujah there is hope in God now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing well we need some of that filling don't we we need some filling of our joy tank we need some filling of our peace tank we're running low on those and God can fill you with all joy and peace in believing and trusting that ye may abound in hope. That means that your hope is running over. You've got so much. It means you've got more than you can handle. 
Well, that'd be a good problem, wouldn't it? I've not met too many people like that that said, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I got more hope than I can handle. I, I got to give some of this to somebody else. I'm just, I'm just too overjoyed. Can I tell you, you and I could be that way if we trust the Lord. You and I could be that way if we get a hold of God. Because God is able, notice what it says. He is able that to give you that she may abound in hope. And here it is, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Again, sometimes we say, I need the Holy Spirit's power because I'm going to get up and preach, or I'm going to sing, or I'm going to teach my class, or I'm going to try to uh, be, a, be a good husband, be a good wife, be a good father, be a good mother. I'm going to try to be a, a good Christian. I'm going to try to be a good testimony at work. And yes, we need God's power for those things. We need God's power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to give us hope, to give us joy, and to give us peace for the journey. I think a lot of Christians, I just, I just, I'm just going to just tell you, I think COVID has not helped matters. I think it's made it worse. But I think a lot of Christians are running on E spiritually. And, and by the way, some of you do that with your car. I try not to do that. I had a couple experiences when I was in high school. Well, I remember one time I ran out of gas, same vehicle. I ran out of gas twice within a week. And I was like, this is not going to happen again. Okay, that is not, it's not worth it. But you may have your car low on gas and you might say, well, there's not a gas station nearby or I don't have the money for the gas. You know, the gas prices are, you know, I got to go out, go to the bank and get a loan out or whatever. But we don't have that excuse when it comes to joy. We don't have that excuse when it comes to peace because God's got it available. All we got to do is ask and all we got to do is come to the God of hope. He'll make you abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.